Good morning. I am not Pastor Will, as you know. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I remember sitting in a staff meeting, and we just uh, we were just discussing things, and and I threw out the the notion that hey, Pastor Will, if you ever would like me to fill the pulpit um, sometime. You just, you know, just let me know. And he said, what's the date? Give me the time. This is what you're going to do. And he's, he locked it solid. But little did I know that he would lead me to this passage of Scripture on this day, Mother's Day. So thanks, Will, for that. Uh, and you're going to see, soon see kind of the, the humor, if you will, in this passage of Scripture. Uh, let me start. You can start by turning to Mark 14. We'll be in Mark 14 verses 32 through 52. And while you're turning there, I just uh, got a question. Have you ever been embarrassed? I know, right? Have you ever been, uh, but let me, let me put it to you like this. Have you ever been embarrassed to the point where you're just kind of stripped of everything embarrassed, you know, and you're really vulnerable? And, you know, as I was digging into this passage of Scripture, Funny enough, that's kind of where I was led. But I just share with you kind of one of those moments for me to kind of break the ice, right? Um, well, first of all, my name is Joel Baker, and I am the, the student minister here. Um, so now you're going to find the real humor in all of this in this passage of scripture. And the the story I want to tell you is there was a time when when I was young. I grew up in Nebraska, and uh, I loved sports. And I loved summer, not just because we were out of school in the summertime, but because I loved to swim, right? And the swimming pool, the only swimming pool we had in Podunk, Fall City, Nebraska, was an outdoor pool that was only open about three and a half months out of the year, if that. So, you know, I had to get my swimming in quick, right? And I remember, you know, when I was, I think I was 12 years old, I used to do the 50-meter butterfly, and, and I don't know, it was one of the hardest strokes, but I just got it. It just clicked with me, right? But my parents never had the money to buy the right shorts, you know, for, for the swim team. And you know, the, guys, you know those shorts I'm talking about, right? The, the ones that make you go fast, right? I had no interest in buying those shorts to begin with. So I was good to wear the baggy shorts that kind of drag you down, you know. My coach used to say, you know, if you just get the right shorts, you know, it would cut a couple seconds off your time. I was like, no thank you, right? So fast forward, I'm at a, a home swimming meet you know, with our, one of our rival teams. I get on the starting blocks, and I'm ready to go. I hear the gun, boom, I'm in the water, and I feel like I am just flying, just skimming right on top of the water, right? We had a 25-meter pool, so I had to go up and back. So I hit the 25-meter point, tag the wall, go to turn around to find I'm not in my shorts anymore. <laughs> so I swam the last 25 meters, you guessed it, stark naked, all right? And as, as I'm coming to the end, I hit the side of the pool, right? And, you know, at that point, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. The only thing that matters is what? I won, yes. What mattered is I won. But my mom, I think it was my mom, came running with a towel, you know, to put it around me. Extremely embarrassed, right? So I get out of the pool, and, and I call my dad, okay? And I'll get into the scripture again, but I called my dad earlier this week so he could pray for me, you know, I let him know that I was going to be filling the pulpit for Pastor Will, and, uh, and I told him that, I said, hey, you remember that? And he was like, yeah, but you haven't lived, son, until you got a call from the high school principal 
requesting that you bring clothes home or clothes to school for your senior son who during spirit week wore a toga to school and then was running through the hall because somebody ripped the toga off of him again stark naked I'm trying to find a I, I, I then found myself my own worst enemy at that point and so you know and, and what we're gonna see in this passage of scripture particularly we're gonna see that incident that very thing that happened to me a little bit different setting obviously but uh, that's what we're gonna see so and to make it worse every time I go back home you know I, I meet people and they say man you came a long way since that toga incident they don't forget things like that right so I was extremely embarrassed yeah the class reunions are yeah they're gonna be a hoot right so with that being said, let's dig into the scripture, Mark 14, third, starting in 32 through verse 52. I'm going to be reading in the NLT, and it should be up on the screen. Then they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here a while while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him and became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible with you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Are you asleep? Can't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. Then he returned to them again and found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. Then he returned to them the third time. He said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with the crowd of men, armed with swords and clubs. They'd been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Jesus said to them, or Jesus asked them, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day that these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray this morning that you would quiet our hearts as we enter into your holy presence, Lord. 
we are humbled that you would give us direct access through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. We pray, Father, that you, by the awesome power of the Holy Spirit, would do what only you can do in revealing the truth of your word. And that we would, in turn, elevate and exalt Christ and Christ alone. That we would have a greater estimation of his worth and value and excellence through the Holy Spirit and the ministry of your word, Father. We pray these things in the mighty, matchless, all-powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. There are a ton, or there is a ton, of just great theological truths, rich theological truths that can be pulled from this passage of Scripture, and it's almost too much to do in one setting, right? It is, for real. So, Pastor, I don't blame you if you return to this, because there's so much here. I mean, we see Jesus call his disciples to stand, watch, and be alert in prayer. We see their failures. They couldn't even stay awake just for a little bit, right? We see the intimate relationship between Jesus and his father as he cries out, Abba, Father. And then in that same passage, we see this cup of suffering introduced. We see the disciples split and leave Jesus all alone, right? And then we see this unnamed boy run away naked. So that's where we're going to stay. We're going to stay with the boy that ran away naked because what we're going to talk about is being naked isn't a reason to run from God, but it's the very reason to run to God and be clothed in the only one that we can be clothed by, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. In 1936, Louis Zamperini bursted on the scene as a runner. As a matter of fact, he was like one of the fastest milers around. And in World War II broke out, Louis enlisted into the military, and after his plane went down over the Pacific, Louis and his crew survived a grueling 47 days adrift and were captured by the Japanese and held as POWs for two years. Some, some of you may have read his novel, the, the story of his life that was wrote or, or seen the movie, both entitled Unbroken. But having met Louis Zamperini, having the pleasure of meeting him in person and hearing him speak on his accounts firsthand was just amazing. And it really painted a clear picture of what he experienced as he just endured such atrocities from the enemy. As he describes it, the first thing his captors did was separate and isolate. As much as possible, he was made to feel abandoned and alone. It's the devastation of isolation, right? That's what we call it. It's the devastation of isolation. And listen, church, we see that today. Amen? We see that today with, with COVID as we've, we've endured the devastation of isolation. But back to his story. Along with isolation and food deprivation, they would strip him naked and beat him repeatedly. But this wasn't Louis' choice. See, Louis Zamperini didn't choose to be held captive. He didn't choose to be stripped of everything. He didn't choose to be naked in front of his captors and just be beaten. But after his release and struggle to reacclimate to civilian life, he found himself at a Billy Graham 
revival. And as he says, as he, as he re- recalls it, again, found himself stripped of everything and left standing spiritually naked before God. And he surrendered to the one who knew every bit of his pain, loneliness, suffering. He, submit, he, he, he surrendered his life to Christ. And again, he says, being naked isn't the re- reason to run from God, but it's the reason to run to God. See, Christ alone freely stepped into the loneliness so we can trust him. We can trust him, church. As we've seen and and read up to this point, leading to this point in Scripture, Jesus started his ministry alone, essentially alone, right? Um, Then he started calling his disciples, and he started massing this following, right? And then all the way to thousands. I mean, we've seen thousands come, flock to to Jesus up to this point. And then Jesus was, was telling his disciples and others how he would ultimately be, you know, captured and, and killed and rose again. And his following started to dwindle at this point. And we've seen this all at the express denial of his, of his disciples, right? The ones that were following him, especially Peter, Right? But as we see in this passage, Jesus knows our every struggle. In fact, I'm going I'm to point out a few things that through this passage of Scripture that God revealed as I was studying, and it's Jesus knows. And the first thing that Jesus knows is Jesus knows the disappointment in friends. Jesus experienced it, right, in verses 32 through 45. You know, we see how Jesus called his disciples, hey, come with me and pray, right? Pray for me. Stand watch, lest you fall into temptation. And then as he returned to, him, returned to the, the three, you know, he took all of the disciples, as Pastor Will was talking about, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he had all his disciples with him at that point, and then he took the three, it was Peter, James, and John, and he took them a little further, and then it was just Christ alone. Right, but he called his disciples, stand, watch, and pray. And as he returned, he would pray for a while, and he would return, and he found them asleep. Jesus knew the disappointment in friends. And because Jesus has experienced this kind of disappointment, even this kind of betrayal, because as we see in that passage of Scripture, Judas, one of the twelve, betrayed him. But because Jesus has experienced this kind of disappointment and betrayal, We're reminded, and he stayed faithful, we're reminded that we can trust him, church. We can trust him. So that's the first thing Jesus knows, is he knows disappointment in friends. So do we, right? I think every one of us can say we have experienced the disappointment in friends. And the second thing I want to point out in this passage of Scripture is Jesus knows loneliness. Jesus knows loneliness. See, Jesus knows that he will soon have to experience separation from his Father. And this is a separation that, oh, by the way, he has never, ever experienced. But as we see in this passage of Scripture how he is so distressed, he's deeply troubled and distressed. What deeply troubled and distressed the Son of God? Sure, it was his physical pain that he knew that he was going to have to endure on on the cross and leading up to the cross. But I think more so, 
It was the separation from his father that made him. And he didn't even know yet that what that separation was going to be like. But can you imagine? I can't fathom it. It's the first time ever he's going to be separated from the father. But see, this is the greatest loneliness Christ would ever experience, yet he knew in order to be the all-sufficient sacrifice that we need, he had to experience every separation of the fall, which was to take the cup of suffering, which is the wrath of God, which is the sin of the world, past, present, and future, pressed down, condensed into three hours, and poured out on him on the cross as he hung there, naked, and vulnerable, separating him from the Father for the first time ever. This is the experience that he knows. And see, in the garden, he told his disciples, James, uh, Peter, James, and John, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Because Jesus knows our loneliness our separation since the fall, right? since we've seen it in another garden in Genesis, since Jesus knows our loneliness, we can trust him as our Lord, church. The next thing we see that Jesus knows is Jesus knows abandonment. And what's leading up to Jesus' darkest hour, his disciples abandon him. Even just hours earlier, as Pastor was going through last week, hours earlier, as Jesus was explaining what was getting ready to take place in verse 27 of that same chapter, Jesus told the disciples, all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then in verse 29, Peter says, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will, but that's exactly what happened as we read in this passage of scripture. Have you ever experienced a tragedy in your life and then you end up thinking to yourself, well, I know who my true friends are. Have you ever done that? I have. And it really hurts my heart because it's hard to see our friends hurting. In our selfishness, we do nothing or like Peter, and we'll see later on in Peter, in this this account of Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, that we love those friends from a distance. You know, as Jesus, as Peter stayed, kept his distance from Jesus. But Jesus stayed and was betrayed and abandoned by those who were closest to him. And because Jesus knows the abandonment of friends and never leaves, he proves to be the one who will never leave us nor forsake us in our darkest time, in our darkest hour. And then we see Jesus knows and still goes. Jesus knows and he still goes. You've heard the saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. How about if you had all sight? <laughs> like Jesus. How about if you had all sight? See, well, Jesus had it and he still went. It's important in this passage to note that all Jesus' disciples also knew where he was going. I think Pastor talked about that last week. Uh, the Garden of Gethsemane was a place that Jesus often frequented to escape and pray. And all his disciples knew this as well, including Judas. And it had to happen like this. 
right? So they all knew this, and it was important in the betrayal of Jesus because at this point, Judas had already agreed to turn Jesus over to the religious leaders and their armed entourage. However, they wanted the arrest to be away from outside the inner city and preferably at night so as not to bring a bunch of attention to the situation. Jesus had to, see, Jesus made a, a pretty good following. He made a pretty good amassed a pretty good following and a pretty good reputation in the town. And they, didn't, they wanted the siege to go down with little or no resistance. So that's where Judas comes in. But Jesus knows and he still goes. And because Jesus knows and he still goes, we can trust him as we follow him as our Lord and Savior. See, here it is, church. Christ alone is the only one who can cover our shame. Since the Garden of Eden, when the nakedness became shame, and we'd been, covered, we'd been covering ourselves, first by fig leaves and then by the height of animals, all at once the image of God, which had been perfect, has been created in His image, needed to be covered. And in order for us to be covered, something else had to be stripped of its covering. Whether it was a plant or an animal, it had to die to cover our nakedness and shame. Church, we need to emerge from our loneliness and darkness of sin and in repentance and honesty stand naked before God today. We dare to stand before God, before our God, because now we see that Jesus, the someone who who took, willingly took on and took over our nakedness and loneliness. We see that. And so we come to God just as we are because then and only then can we return to the joy which God had, had in mind from the beginning when Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said in one accord, let's make humankind in our image and likeness. See, being naked is not the reason to flee from God, but to come to God. Because God has just the outfit we need, and it's Christ Jesus. Amen? Our Lord, the one who died to cover us, the one who was stripped so that he could be clothed with nothing less than his very self as we put on Christ, clothing ourselves with his compassion. And so once more, bearing to one another the image of God. Amen and amen. Hmm. As I close, I just, uh, I just want to encourage you, whether you're a, a full-timer, first-timer, some-timer to church, whether you've spent your entire life in church or, or this is something new to you, God is calling you to an authentic relationship with Him, which, start, which starts with acknowledging Jesus, the Son of God, who lived a perfect life, taking on our sin and shame, despising the shame. He spit in the face of the shame. He's the sacrifice, the perfect, sinless, yet willing to step into the darkness, experiencing every bit of loneliness and shame and depravity that came with the fall and the separation. And then Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. See, Jesus stands with open arms, knowing everything you've experienced. And with love in his eyes, he says, I know. He says, I know. 
So I'll close with this. Are you exposed? Jesus knows. Are you alone? Jesus knows. Are you in a valley? Jesus knows. Are you suffering physically or emotionally or mentally? Jesus knows. Are you abandoned? Have you felt abandoned? Jesus knows. Have you prayed a prayer and the answer is no? He even knows that one. As he cried out to his father, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And it's because he knows you can trust him. Is there a darkness you haven't allowed God to redeem in your life that the shed blood of Christ needs to cover this morning? Today is the day, church. Today is the day. See, we need to emerge from our loneliness and darkness and sin and repentance and honesty, stand naked before God today, allowing Him to be our covering. Jesus is more than enough. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is more than enough. So where are you this morning, church? Whether, whether you have that darkness inside that's, that you haven't fully surrendered to God, the altar's always, always open. And as the, as the worship team comes up, I just want to make sure that we are aware that this altar is always open. Whether it's a confession, whether it's you know, coming forward in repentance, whether you've never taken that first step to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let today be the day. Let it be today. And all of heaven rejoice along with us. Along with us.